are good. Somebody said amen. I want to talk to you about the dark side of doubt, and the message today is called, There's a Hand in the Snake. There's a Hand in the Snake. Have you ever gone through a time where you felt like God was withholding good from you? Uh, what do I mean by that is that if you, you've ever prayed this prayer like, God, if you would just answer this prayer, I'd be good. God, if you would just answer this prayer, if you would just do this, everything would be all right. If you would just answer this prayer, then I would be good. I'd have something good to hold on to. And then it seems perhaps maybe your prayers aren't answered and you kind of think about, well, maybe, maybe God didn't hear me. Maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe God's not listening. Maybe he's indifferent. Now you start wondering about really the character of God, or maybe even just like, I don't, maybe I don't know his will. Maybe I don't know what his will is. Is his will for me to have a good thing? Is it, is it for my good? Is God even interested in me? Has he left me alone? So what happens is we ultimately start working on the solution ourselves. Well, while I'm waiting on God, let me figure this out. And if he decides to answer, then we can catch up. <laughs> but until then, I gotta, I gotta work this thing out with my family, with my job, I gotta figure out my finances, I gotta figure out my own head. Um, I don't know what it is, I'm just gonna have to make a change, so we start making decisions, I gotta get a new job, or I gotta you know, uh, get away from this person, or I gotta, I gotta begin to figure it out on my own because the good thing I'm really holding out for hadn't come in yet. And the word doubt, it means uncertainty about the truth, of the reality of spiritual things, especially talking about a lack of faith and commitment to God. Doubt is to fear. Doubt is to be afraid. Every time Jesus comes to the disciples and they're scared about something, he says, why did you doubt? Why are you afraid? And it's about the uncertainty of whether or not God is going to act on your behalf or whether or not God is interested in your goodness or not. Is he interested in doing good things for you? And then we begin to doubt. And how does the enemy so doubt? That's that one question. Has God withheld good from you? Has God withheld good from you? And is there something good in your life right now you're missing? Because if you could look at your life and say, my life, we don't say this, this is not proper English, my life would be gooder, right? My life would be better, more good, if I had this or if this would happen. How do you know a good thing from a God thing? I had a pastor uh, in college, he would say this a lot. He'd say, the enemy of God's best is something good. I never forgot it. He would, he'd, all the time, the enemy of God's best is something good. There's a lot of good things in this life, but they may not always be God's best for you, so there's a lot of good things we could be doing with our time, with our money, with our talent, but are they God's best for you? And how do you know a good thing from a God thing? So let, here's an example. If Jesus could take your life right now and say he would live your life out for you completely, 100%, how would he spend your time? How many hours would he pray? What would he do with your finances? How nice would he be to that coworker? How many times a month would he come to church? Who would he be talking to in the streets through your life with your gifts and your talents and abilities? Now we look at that and you're thinking, whew, 
Ouch, right? What would he do with my life? Heath Harris, if he took Heath Harris' life, how better would he preach? How much more would he do? What would he, how would he feel? How satisfied would he be with the Lord? And how much time would he take away from the TV to pray? Away from Facebook to pray? How, how, what would he do with my life? How would he live it out for me? And then you'll begin to understand the difference between good things and God things. There's a lot of good things in this world that aren't bad things, but they're not always God things. There are a lot of good things that aren't bad things, but it doesn't mean they're God things. If there's a difference between what he would do with my life and what I am doing, I'll begin to understand what the God things are that he really wants me to be invested in. The enemy of God's best is something good. And sometimes those good things are turning me from God things. And today, let me tell you, if you're looking for something good right now in your life, but it's causing you to doubt the goodness of God, I want you to be certain of this. There's a hand in the snake. And I'll tell you what that means. Look in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. If you're looking for something good and you begin to doubt the goodness of God, just remember this, there is a hand in the snake. Genesis chapter three, verse one, there's a hand in the snake. Somebody say amen if you're there. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, indeed, has God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, well, from the fruit of the trees of the garden, we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. And the serpent said to the woman, you, are, you surely will not die, for God knows, he knows, that in the day that you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good, everybody say good, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw the tree was good, somebody say good, it was good for food, it was delight to the eyes, and the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate, and she also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. And the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. Then they heard the Lord, the sound of the Lord walking in the garden on the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord and among the trees of the garden. Now God had made everything good. The Bible says just as one chapter, chapter one, chapter two, that everything God made was good, and he said it was so, and he, he made it. He made the earth, it was good. God was good, the earth was good. He made Adam and Eve good. He even made snakes good. Everything was good. Everything God did was good because God is good. Somebody say amen. Everything was good. So their life was good. Everybody's life in the garden, Adam and Eve, good marriage, good life, good food, good God, even the good snake. Everything was good. And everything was good. They're innocent. They know no choice out of God's best. In the garden, heaven has come down to earth. The fullness of God's glory walks with them every day. In the garden, they're talking with Jesus. They're walking with Jesus in the full manifest presence of his holiness. And then we find this serpent. Now, this isn't just any serpent. Revelation uh, chapter 12 tells us it was that old serpent, the dragon, the devil, Satan, the accuser, our adversary. And he comes not just as any serpent, but in this text it says, it didn't say serpents because God made snakes, right? Or lizards or whatever. It says, it, it didn't say it, it says he. 
he. We know this isn't just any serpent, it's a he. And I don't know how many snakes you've talked to lately, but this one seemed to talk. And so Eve and either her innocence or the fact that, man, and uh, they are in a place where heaven and earth can collide. This wasn't apparently something awkward for her, that either he came. The Bible says that uh, serpent can mean, uh, in, the, in the original Hebrew language, means fiery. And there's a play on words here. Because serpent and dragon are the same root word. And fiery, fiery uh, and serpent are the same root word. And fiery... You know, like we say, uh, fiery serpents in the Bible. It's like, man, they're, they're burning skin. When they bite you, they burn. Well, there's also a play on words here for seraph or seraphim, which was a type of angel. And the word seraphim means burning one. And so whatever you want to believe about whether it was a snake or a seraph, a burning one, something like that, it doesn't really matter. We know from Scripture, from all of it, from Jesus all the way to Revelation, that Satan came either in the form of a serpent or in the form of some ancient dragon or in the form of a seraph, a burning one, which has the root word serpent in it, okay? So Satan comes and it's a he, it's not an it. He speaks and what does he do? He begins to tempt her with doubt. We know that he is the fallen one in his own beauty, he said in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28 that his heart was lifted up, that he wanted to be like the Most High. And he begins to tempt her with the very same thing that he tempted his own self with, that he deserved more power and to be more good. But what Eve didn't know is that there was a hand in the snake. Satan was going to use that snake like a puppet. And what she didn't know is that there was a hand in this snake. That something else was talking to her. See, snakes were good. Angels were good. The garden was good. And there was a hand in something good. He didn't, she didn't know is that something good would tempt her from God. You see, there's a few things that Satan does is he, number one, he stalks. Satan loves to find us when we're alone. He loves the wandering mind. You see, she had been walking with God the very, next, the very day before. He didn't come when she was walking with God, when God's presence was there. He didn't even come when she was working with Adam. No, he came when she was wandering alone. The Bible says that Eve was a second vessel uh, weaker, the Bible says sometimes weaker. Weaker doesn't really mean that she was any weaker, but that she was secondary uh, and equal with Adam, that the covenant was with Adam. So he came sly like a snake. He came slithering up to find her, and he was watching and waiting for the most opportune moment. You know, the devil is looking for your life the same way. He is stalking you, wanting to find out when is the most opportune moment that I can pounce on you when you're not in your prayer life, when you're not with your family and friends that are in the church, when you're not in community. He's going to find you wandering alone. Do you know the worst things is a wandering mind? I wonder. I wonder. I wonder. He didn't come when she was working. He didn't come when she was walking with God. He came when she was wandering alone. You know, when you're alone and your mind begins to wonder all that could be, could, should be, just the same way Satan came to Jesus when he was alone in the wilderness after fasting 40 days, 
And what did he do? He used the arguments of God. He used the word of God to take down everything. That's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10. He says, we destroy every argument, every lofty opinion that is raised up against the knowledge of God. And we, what? Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. How is your routine in spending time with God? How are you in biblical community? You can come to church, but that doesn't mean you're in biblical community. How are you accountable to other people? How, who do you have encouraging you in your life? Are you invested in others in relationship, in biblical community? Are you uh, praying every day? Are you reading your Bible every day? Are filling your mind with the word of God? Because, let me tell you something, when you isolate yourself from God and others, Satan is there because he stalks. He stalks. Number two, the thing he does is he schemes. He appeared good. He gave good advice. He said the tree was good. He said she would know good. You know, everything can look good in your life until you start to doubt God. Everything can be going well and look good in your life until you start to doubt the goodness of God because good things are not always God things. Paul said, You're not, we're not ignorant of his schemes, 2 Corinthians 2.11, and that we should put on the full armor of God in Ephesians that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. He schemes, why? Because he can come in and disguise himself as something good. The Bible says he can disguise himself as an angel of light for that's what he was before he fell. He can come as something good. Before, now we have a different image of snakes today. We're like, oh yeah, who's gonna, I mean, I would have known better because it's a snake. Come on, lady, were you crazy? No, snakes were good. There's all kinds of things that are good in your life that Satan can use and he can put his little hand in there and he can say, man, wouldn't it be good if you had a better marriage? Wouldn't it be good if you could just make a little bit of more money? Wouldn't it be good if you could just take a hit and relax this weekend, take a break from your life? Wouldn't it be good if yada, yada, yada? Wouldn't it be good? Wouldn't your life be better? He came crafty and wise and subtle. You know, he couldn't make her sin, but he could tempt her into sinning. Satan can't make you do anything, but he can sure make you trip on your own good feet. You see, he went through a good snake to get to Eve, and he went through Eve to get to Adam. You know, the Bible says that he went through Job's wife and Job's friends to get to Job. And the Bible says he went through Peter to get to Jesus. Think about it. What did Jesus say to Peter? He says, but he turned to Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. You are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. He wasn't talking to Peter, he knew there was a hand in the snake. He knew that Peter was being used as a puppet. Peter was a good guy. Jesus loved Peter. Peter loved Jesus. But Peter was saying, Jesus, surely you don't have to die on the cross. There's got to be a better, a gooder way. And he speaks to that little hand in the snake. He says, get behind me, Satan. You're trying to tempt me with good things, but you don't know God things. You see, the enemy of God's best is something good. There are good things and there are God things. And you have to be certain to discern in your life that there are all kinds of good things the enemy is going to puppet around you. And is it a God thing or is it a good thing? Well, I could make more money at this job, but is it a God thing or is it a good thing? Man, if I could just have a better relationship, is it a good thing or is it a God thing? If I could just make more money, is it a good thing or is it a God thing? Peter became a puppet because there's a hand in the snake. You know, Adam may have rejected the snake, but he did not reject his wife. Think about that. God can use the people around you. Like Job, he can use her spouse. 
He can use your best friend. He can use your job. He can use your circumstance. He can use all kinds of things that you're familiar with that he knows you'll say yes to. But there may be a hand in something good. Are, are you willing to reject anything and anyone that puts a good thing in place of a God thing in your life? He stalks, he schemes. Number three, he second guesses. He only said two things, and the whole world got changed upside down. Two things. He only talked twice. Two things. All the time she spent talking to God, and all the time she spent talking to her husband, every single day, Satan comes, he says two things. Number one, he says, has God said you can't have anything good? That's not what God said at all. He said you can have everything good, but just not this one thing. And he says, he throws it back on God. How can God be good if he's keeping something from you? How can God be good if he's not willing to give you everything that there is to have? How can God be, has God really limited you? You feel limited? You feel like God's holding out some good on you? He's, if, if your life would be a lot better if you just had this one thing. Wouldn't your life be a lot better if you just made $100,000? Wouldn't your life be better if you just had the spouse they had? Wouldn't life be better if you lived in a different place? Wouldn't life be better if you just had a different mom and dad? Wouldn't life be better? See, God's holding out on you, man. You've been praying, he ain't answering. How can God be good? All the evil in the world, how can God be good? All the sickness in the world, how can God be good? All the problems in the world, if God's a good God, why'd he let that person die? See how he works? There's a hand in the snake. How can God be good if he's holding out on you? God said, can't you have anything good? And she begins to wonder, I don't know. Has God withheld some good from me? Is God interested in my best? Is God limiting me? And he says, no, no, no. And then he gives a half-truth. He says, you'll be like him. Don't you just want to be like God? God wants you to be like him. Don't you want to be like him? You can be just like him. You'll know good. You'll know some good. So what do you do? You just go find it your own way. You know, he begins to tempt the world. You can find good apart from God. You can be filled by doing life your own way. You don't just have to read your Bible. You don't just have to pray. You don't just have to be in biblical community. You don't have to just trust him. You know, family time first is really what matters. I'm going to be sitting on toes today. Family time first. Just put a little good in front of God. You need an extra vacation. You need another extra vacation. You need to stay home and watch TV. Oh, you just need a little me time. A little good in front of God. God knows you're busy in this season. He'll understand. You know, God just wants you to be happy. I love that one. God just wants you to be happy. Isn't God interested in your happiness? A little bit of this, a little bit of that. That's going to make you happy. Doesn't God want you to be happy? God's not, he want, he's withholding good from you. Just go find some happiness. Do what makes you happy. There's a hand in the snake. There's a hand in the snake. Just focus on you right now. That's what he's saying. Eve, just do what makes you happy, girl. Come on. God ain't giving you everything. Just go take some good for yourself. Just go do something good for yourself. Just spoil yourself a little bit. Just lavish yourself a little bit. Just, just you know, build yourself up a little bit. God, God, he's okay. Man, he knows you just need a little help. So go get it. Go take it. Go for it, girl. You got this. You see, he said she'd be like God, but she forgot. She was already made in God's image. You'll be like, God, I'm already in his image. I'm already made in his likeness. I got his breath on the inside of me. I commune with him every day. 
I got access to heaven and to earth. I got this whole garden right here before me. Everything I've got is good, and it's from a good God. That's what she should have said. But she listened to doubt. He can't make you sin, but he can sure tempt you to. Warren Wiersbe says, as long as the mind holds to God's truth, Satan cannot win. But once the mind starts to doubt God's word, there becomes room for the devil's lies to move in because doubt leads to doubt. Doubt leads to doubt. Here's the dark side of doubt real quick. She listened. She listened to doubt and she went to see for herself. And Ephesians says, don't give the devil an opportunity. She listened. Number two, she desired it was the lust of the flesh. Man, this is good for food. Man, it was the lust of the eye. Man, that looks pleasing and desirable to make one wise. It was the pride of life. Man, this will make me better. I have a better life after I do this. Whew, man. I like how that person makes me think and feel, even if they're not my spouse. I'm happier when I'm spending a little time doing this more than when I'm praying or worshiping with others. It's not bad to do what makes you happy, right? She desired. Then she took. She doubted and she disobeyed. And the Bible says in James that when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. And he says, don't be deceived, my brethren. Every good. Somebody say good. James 1.17. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above. Lust is conceived, lust is born, and it gives birth to death. And James says, no, guys, don't you remember? Every good thing is a God thing. Everything you want that's good in your life is going to come from a good and benevolent heavenly Father, that he is interested in your good. And there's nothing you need to pursue in this life that's outside of God. Nothing you need in this life can come from any place that's good unless it's from God. And then she shared it. She, she, uh, she used the devil's arguments on Adam. And this is the unbelievable part. She listened to that hand in the snake, and then she went over here to her husband, and she used the same arguments on him. And man, this would be good if you take this. Our life's going to be so much better if we do this, honey. We just do life our own way. We love God too, man. We want to be like God. We're going to have God and this. God, Jesus plus something else. Jesus plus living some things our own way. Jesus plus thinking about ourselves. Jesus plus making ourselves happy. Jesus plus a little fun time. Jesus plus good. And she became the hand in the snake to Adam. See how that works? She became the puppet. She became the one using the same arguments on Adam that the snake used on her. She believed the lie to the point that she shared the lie with the person she loved most in the whole world. You see, doubt leads to doubt and doubt spreads. Doubt spreads. That's why you hang around people that doubt, you're gonna doubt. You hang around negative people, you're gonna be negative. Hang around joyful, spirit-filled, Bible-believing, faith-proclaiming saints, you're gonna give the devil a black eye. That's why he wants to get you alone. So you'll believe the lie and you'll spread it. But thanks be to God, God had a promise. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, the Bible tells us that there would be a promise that while Adam and Eve would be separated and excluded from God, that God would have a promise. And he would tell that serpent, he said that you are cursed beyond all the created things of God. 
and you will lose your position, and to the dust you will go, and to the dust you will stay. And Isaiah would pick that up and say that you would go to the dust and be no more. And he said that there would be coming one from this woman's seed, not from Adam's seed, but from a woman's seed, just a woman. He would just come from a woman. And the Bible tells us that Jesus would be born of a virgin. He would only come from just a woman. And that he would be bruised on his heel, but he would be crushing that serpent's head. And the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 10 that he would see Satan fall from heaven like lightning. And behold, he'd give you all the powers over the enemy. And by no means would anything from that enemy harm you any longer but don't rejoice in what he just did for the enemy but rejoice that your name is written in the land book of life somebody say amen you see there's a promise here that you were trying we lost our image with God but Jesus come as the word of God again to give you another chance where God said something and we disobeyed it that same word of God came down and was born of a virgin and walked among us and talked among us and bore our iniquities and took our sin and he was nailed to a cross and he died and he was hurt and he was injured but he got up on the third day and he crushed the serpent's head and the Bible says in Colossians that he nailed it to the cross he a spectacle of the enemy and he triumphed over him on the cross so that's why revelation chapter 12 can tell you that satan came down like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour but there will be a group of people who would overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony you see that's your story and my story if you believe it you can live finding goodness your own way, doing life your own way, going from high to high, from relationship to relationship, from a sense of needing a needy and needy and needy, never being enough, never being enough. Wonder if God loves me. I wonder if I'm ever good enough for him or her. I could just get a better job. If I could just get a better person, if I could just make more money, if I could just get a better uh, weekend this weekend, if I could just spend some me time, if I could just watch some movies and, and veg this weekend. And the devil wants to keep you alone. He wants to keep you isolated. He doesn't want you coming to church because that's where your faith's going to get built up. He doesn't want you to be in biblical community because then you're going to be having a Jesus moment together. He doesn't want you to know the word and read your Bible because then you'll be able to fight against all the schemes of the enemy. He wants to get you defeated like he is. He wants to get you down in the dirt in the dumps like he is because he's mad. Why? Because you have the potential to be made in the image of God. You can come and you can reign in heavenly places with Jesus Christ. You can have your name written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. You will sing before the throne for all of eternity, holy, holy. You will know the goodness of God every day of your life. It will be blessed to be in the house of the Lord. You will go from glory to glory to glory. That's your destiny. That's your purpose. That's what God has designed you to be. If you believe it. And there's things that he wants you to do. Number, there's three things I'll challenge you with before we leave. Number one is that you have got to believe God's word for yourself. The covenant was with Adam. Eve didn't know the word of God like Adam did. That's why he went for Eve. Some of us don't know the word of God like we should. That's why we're defeated. That's why we're tempted. That's why we're doubting. That's why we're discouraged. Satan asked, what has Jesus said? What did he say? He said, repent, be born again, be humble, deny yourself, follow me, seek me with all your heart, pray in faith, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, your strength, love your enemies as yourself, seek first the kingdom, don't judge, forgive one another, be a servant, help the poor, go make disciples. That's what Jesus says. That's what's gonna lead you to life. You see, Jesus is the tree of life. He's the one that provides abundance. He's the well that never runs dry. He's the one that is the source of goodness in every believer's life. And it's never doing life your own way. 
The enemy of God's best is something good. Number two, he says, believe God's will is always good. Do you need love and affection? Christ is sufficient. Do you need provision? Christ is enough. Do you need certainty and hope? Christ is enough. Do you need a help in a battle? Do you need victory? Christ is enough. Do you need a miracle? Christ is enough. See, it's all him. It's everything is in him. And you have to believe that God, his will for you is always good because God so loved the world, he sent his son to die for you. God has not withheld one ounce of goodness from you. God has given you the abundance of heaven. The Bible says in Ephesians that he lavished us in heavenly places with all the grace of heaven. He lavished us in grace. He's not withheld one good thing from his servants. He's only not given you everything you don't need. Everything you need, God has given. That's why Paul could say, in grace, my grace, and he's like, my weakness, his grace is sufficient. His strength is made perfect in my weakness. I know that even if I don't have everything this world says I need, I'm still sufficiently full in the goodness of God. I have everything I need provided for in Jesus. He says, there may be times in Hebrews that we go to the slaughter, we may feel like lambs led to the slaughter, we may not have everything this world has, we may not have all the riches of this world's earthly possessions, we may not always be liked by everyone, we may go through sickness, we may go through trials and tribulations, but let me tell you something, you have never lacked the goodness of God. God has never, not one time, withheld good things from you. You have only to believe God is good. Number three, believe God's worship is your chief purpose. God created two supreme worshipers in that garden, and they were there to bask in his presence for all their lives. Your number one purpose in life is to worship God. That's your chief aim. It's not to be a millionaire. It's not to raise a bunch of kids and live the American dream. It's not to make a lot of money. It's not to be well-known. It's not to have your name up in lights. Your number one purpose in life is to worship God. And when you know your purpose and you believe your purpose is to worship a good God and you believe his will is always good for you and he never withheld not one good thing from you and you know his word and it's a good word and it's a good will towards you and he's a good God worth worshiping. You have his will, his worship, his word. Man, you're gonna give the devil a black eye and you'll know every time there's a hand in the snake. God is good. Stand with me this morning. God is good. God is good. Let's just... Just, just think on that just for a moment. God is so good. He's so good to me. Father, right now in Jesus' name, we declare the goodness of God over every issue we are going through. And like your word declares that we have a testimony of your power, what wonder you have for the sons of men. What is man that you are mindful of him? But God, you have made us a little low for a while, but you're gonna exalt us to with you in high possession to be seated with you in heavenly places that you have not withheld anything from us when you gave us your only son. You gave us the goodness of your grace, the wonder of your mercy. You gave us the power over the enemy. You, you gave us victory because you are a good God. If you are here today.